hello and welcome to the 256 Daily. This is the show that brings you a summary of what's making rounds in daily print newspapers. In today's episode for the Wednesday 21st of October 2020, I will start with a Daily Monitor. Daily Monitor has a cover page story which reads, Government broke in need of 6 trillion shillings to supplement budget. And in the Observer, we have a headline which reads, Government to switch off fake phones. So I will start with a cover story from the Daily Monitor and the stories that are running alongside it. In today's Daily Monitor, the main story talking about the 6 trillion shillings that government is seeking to supplement the budget follows a shortfall of the 45.5 trillion budget which was passed for the financial year 2020-2021. State Minister for Finance David Bahati revealed to Parliamentary Committee on Budgetary Appropriations that 4 trillion shillings will be borrowed domestically and the remaining 2 trillion will be sourced externally from the International Monetary Fund. The budget was to be funded by 32.97 trillion in local taxes and other government revenue streams, while 12.52 trillion was to be acquired externally through loans and grants. Bahati also stressed that the need for borrowing was due to the shortfall which was caused by the COVID-19 pandemic in the financial year of 2019-2020. There was a 1.2 trillion shortfall in the financial year of 2019-2021, while this financial year which was passed in June, there is a shortfall of 2.5 trillion when it comes to the budget. Yes, that's the deficit right there. And of the 6.2 trillion shillings, the lion's share will go to the Ministry of Defense, which is going to take a piece of the pie amounting to 1.3 trillion, and State House will take 900 billion. So this is how the money will be appropriated. All this expenditure is classified and not subject to accountability by the Public Accounts Committee of the Parliament. Nandala Mafawi called for cutting public expenditure and raised concerns for the state house funds being diverted to electoral campaign to benefit NRM and despotic Museveni ahead of the 2021 polls. So that is Nandala Mafabi's grievances. And going on, we have a story here which says Makere staff remanded over fake COVID-19 tests. The suspects are Emmanuel Kawalia, a 36-year-old lab technician, Gideon Subuga, a 25-year-old molecular biologist at Makere University College of Health Sciences, and Dafala Kezimbira, an IT technician from Makere University College of Health Sciences Laboratory. There is also a 128-year-old Nasonko, who is a businesswoman from Nasa Road, who was arrested alongside these three. The three individuals were remanded at Chitalia Prison and will appear in court on November 3rd for a case mentioning. They are charged with falsifying results for Al-Numi Mohawk, Said Kalila, James Bernard Walusimbi, Irene Namubiru, I don't really know if this is Irene Namubiru, the artist, and Miriam Zawadi. Yes, so these are the people that they forged the results for. And we also have another story here which reads, KCCA to demolish structures built on drainage channel. KCCA is set to demolish factories and warehouses built on top of drainage channels along the Kalitusi Road in Bugolobi. Mr. Brian Bagala, the KCCA drainage project manager, revealed that the owners of the affected buildings 
were okay with demolishing them following irritation from severe floods they have been experiencing in the rainy season. It says that drilling has to be done underneath the buildings and affected properties include Somo Trade Complex, Java House, and Isuma Electronics, and Sunmaker Oil and Gas Training Institute. The residents have long complained about the maintenance exercise and so far they are complaining about the cost that it has to the customers accessing their premises. So there is a one Alan Serume who is the construction supervisor from Lina Construction, the company which is contracted to undertake this exercise of maintaining Kalitusi Road. And he says they expected to finish the work in one week. However, it has dragged on for over two months since what they expected is not what they found on ground. And we also have a story about Kenneth Kanyamunyu pleading with court over Akena Mada. As you all know, Kenneth Kanyamunyu was arrested and uh, has been in prison following the murder of Akena who scratched his car at Forest Mall parking. So Kenneth Kanyamunyu's request uh, follows something to pause his murder trial until after he completes his matter put proceedings in actually traditional courts. He is seeking uh, truce through confession to the crime and hoping to get a lenient sentence under the plea bargain arrangement for his acknowledgement of the crimes when his trial resumes. Matoput processions were disrupted following the death of Akena's mother on October 9th. His lawyers to Musime Kabegan Company Advocates wrote to DPP to remove the case from cause list of trials on October 20th. So he wants to first settle things out amicably with the late Akena's family and then he will plead guilty and probably get a lenient sentence when he appears for his trial. And 73% fail pre-entry exam for Makerelo School. About 1,166 candidates who sat for the Makerelo pre-entry exam, only 305, which constitutes 26%, scored the required pass mark of 50%, while 861, which constitutes 73%, failed. So from the results that were published, Miss Alice Grace Namale from Mengo SS was the best performing candidate and she scored 76% and she was trailed by the runner-up Aine Maria Adikini who scored 71% from St. Mary's College Namagunga. The candidates who failed can contest results awarded by appealing within a 14-day window from the release of the results. It is not automatic that whoever passed the exam will be admitted for the prestigious Bachelors of Law Program of Study or as Mukasambide calls it, Legum Bacleurus. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you all know Mukasambide and his words, LLB for Legum Bacleurus. And going on, we have another story here. Businessman Katuma arrested over 16-year-old missing girl. So uh, Katuma was arrested and this one is the proprietor of Katuma Sports Center. He's in hot soup over the disappearance of a minor known as Nadia Najingo. Her mother, Yasmin Ahmed, a 37-year-old resident of Machi in the Chizungu Zone, reported the case of disappearance at Katwe police station. So the story unfolds that as the mom saw her daughter with a phone, she questioned her where she got the phone from, and this triggered a heated misagreement and misunderstanding, and she ran away from home. However, there is a 17-year-old Bakaran, he's called Barakan, and this one is the cousin to Najingo, who said that she had seen Najingo in Natete inside Katumwazka around October 15th. 
So this followed a phone call from an anonymous tip who saw them inside the car. And uh, the stepfather to this minor, Ibrahim Kafuma, called Katuma and asked him. And Katuma actually said, yeah, the daughter was at his place, but he later escorted her out to go back home to her parents. Katuma is now in police custody as investigations are ongoing. We have another story here, and this is an open ed from city lawyer Peter Mulira. And he poses a question, can political parties be sold or bought? So uh, in, his, in his view, he says that uh, he tries to define what a political party is. And he puts the definition that this is an organized group of people with similar ideology and principles who seek to capture power through an election in order to run affairs of a country. So to be a truly, like for something to come up as a real political party, there must be a group of people organized around a similar ideology. And he says since NUDRP, which is the National Unity Development and Reconciliation Party, was registered in 2003 by Moses Chivalama, it was in a state of coma, not until it was handed over to Bobby Wine. So Chivalama had something, but he didn't really have a political party because it was long dead. So he handed over to Bobby Wine and whatever he handed over was just a certificate of registration and he says that if Uganda is to see serious political parties engaging in real politics, they need to undergo a reform where they organize themselves from local constituencies and attract the elite through developing strong, transparent, credible and functional internal democracies that give no room for chaos. That's the point of view from renowned lawyer Peter Mulira. And going on, we have another story here which says Pay TV Market loses 130 subscribers due to COVID-19. So this represents about 8% loss in subscription numbers in six months from the report that was published for the quarter ending June by UCC. UCC also cited that the drop was due to halted sports activities during COVID-19 lockdown. And this saw a lot of subscribers downgrade from premium packages to basic packages. About 61% of the subscribers paid for cheaper subscription, and uh, this was mostly due to the contraction of household incomes. So he also says that uh, cheaper subscriptions only attracted about 40% subscribers, and this also led to a drop from 1.68 million subscribers in December to 1.55 million subscribers by the end of June. Premium subscriptions range from between 219,000 to 33,000. And the UCC also notes that Azam offers the cheapest ongoing subscription within the ranges of 37,000 to 10,000 shillings per month. So Start Times and GoTV are one of the market leaders when it comes to the industry of digital TV subscription. So these ones snatch the lion's share of the market share for this industry. And uh, going on, we are going to look at what's happening around the continent. And we have two stories of interest here. One from Tanzania. Tanzania's Electoral Commission has said voters are allowed to use driving licenses and passports to be used in the voting process as long as the names on those IDs match the ones on the voters register. This was revealed in a Twitter statement published on Monday by the Tanzanian Electoral Commission. And Magufuli will be facing off with Tundi Lisu. And uh, Tindulisu is uh, the leading opposition candidate. And a lot of diplomatic missions in Tanzania were worried, which uh, led to 
talks being held between the Secretary General of CCP, which is Chapa Chamapenduzi. This is the political party in power in Tanzania. So the political party uh, met with diplomats from the United States, European Union, Kenya, and Mozambique, and they discussed and assured them that elections will be free and fair. If you remember, uh, President Magufuli came in power and this followed after he won the primary elections of the Chapachamapenduzi, where he was running against the favorite candidate, Edward Lowassa. So he beat Edward Lowassa in the primaries and he was nominated the CCP flag bearer. And from then on, uh, he has been the president of Tanzania and he's seeking a second term. So there was a rally held in Wukonga constituency where Magufuli was endorsed by Jakaya Chikwete, and this really gave him uh, some good ground to be able to keep running for the election and emerge as the winner. And going on in Gini, Gini in Konakri, opposition leader Sielu Diallo declared himself as the winner of the hotly contested presidential elections. So the presidential elections which were held in Guinea, they followed self-proclamation of opposition leader as the winner of the first round. However, the Electoral Commission of Guinea contradicted him in a parallel press briefing and it said that it is the only body supposed to announce the winner. So three people were killed when his supporters took to the streets to celebrate and tensions are high along tribal lines. So there is a pure tribe which is in favor of Siselu, while Alpha Conde is in favor of the Malinke and the Sosun. So there is a lot of tribal politics playing down in Guinea. Going on to the Observer, we have a story here which is making headlines, government to switch off fake phones. So uh, in an interview with the head of corporate affairs, Ibrahim Bossa, he says, we are not interested in waking up and shocking the country that the phones are going to be switched off. That is why right now we are working on a roadmap to establish how the exercise is going to be done effectively and we have started public awareness campaigns so that the general public gets to know the likely consequences. So following this statement, the UCC wants to deactivate all fake devices. This includes phones and laptops and it urges the public to go to the UCC website, put in the IMEI number of their device and see if it's a genuine device. So it is not yet clear when these devices will be taken offline, but however UCC says it is working together with uh, stakeholders to make sure that uh, these devices are taken down in due time. So to crunch down the numbers for you, there are 5 million basic mobile phones, commonly referred to as Kabiditi in the market, while featured phones of those which have improved internet connectivity are about 6.9 million. So the total number of phones in circulation is 29 million, and uh, these have been active up to June 2020. So uh, there is uh, a report here which says about 2 million phones are believed to be fake and UCC blames the counterfeits on porous borders, which happens through smuggling via bus routes. And it has also asked device users to always check the authenticity before they purchase. And we also have here another Opposition pledges to sue EC over election cash. So this story started unfolding when Asuman Basarira, uh, the party president of JEMA and also the representative of Bujiri municipality, he cried foul that money was 
appropriated in an unfair manner where the NRM took the lion's share and he still quotes the law where he says that the money should be shared equally among his political parties. So he says he's still waiting for nominations to end since some of the party chairpersons who are part of iPod, some of them are going to be running for office. So after the nominations are done, he's going to do consultations and file a lawsuit such that they get an equal share of the money which was released by electoral commission. And there's also another story here which says young people won't get coronavirus vaccine soon. So the observer goes on here to say that priority will go to frontline workers and vulnerable groups of which these are the elderly and those which have underlying conditions like diabetes and other chronic diseases. That is all I had for you from today's episode of the 256 Daily. I'm your host Derek and bye-bye.